You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 129. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about how to create a high-performance project team. We know that focused, motivated project teams can move mountains. Innovation, quick problem solving, and creativity will become the most valued currencies in the future and vital for all project teams. However, Sometimes human nature stands in our way of achieving great project performance and realizing the full project return on investment for our organization. So today we're going to dive into this topic and help you understand the pillars of high-performing project teams and the behaviors that will immediately hurt or help your team performance. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO. Whether you're starting a PMO for the first time, trying to get your PMO back on track, or just want to ensure that your PMO is as high-impact as possible, this training will get right to the heart of what really makes a difference in the eyes of your business leaders where to focus your energy for the best results, and how to accelerate your PMO performance. We're going to follow my step-by-step framework that has been developed leveraging more than 24 years of real-world experience as a PMO leader myself for 15 years and as a consultant with PMO Strategies, a trainer and a coach for the last nine years. The work I do with my students has helped them get and keep their seat at the table no matter what kind of chaos is thrown in their way, and they are thriving. Join me for this one-hour training program by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. And let's unleash the full power of your impact engine PMO today. Okay, let's dive in. Now with me today to talk about how to create a high performance project team is PMO Impact Summit speaker, Gabrielle mausner Schutten, And she is a respected project consultant and coach with more than 20 years of experience developing and implementing practical solutions for project management success and organizational value. Taking a highly people-focused approach to projects She emphasizes principles and practices that individuals at all organizational levels can apply to achieve success. Her expertise in managing large projects for both private and public sector organizations ranges from mission-critical ERP implementations and content management solutions to providing leadership for enterprise-wide communication strategies. She has also taught strategic supply chain management is a Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt, as well as a registered business coach practitioner. Wow, Gabrielle, you've kind of done it all. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Laura. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you. And I'm thrilled to talk about such an important topic that is talked about often, but to me that says it hasn't really been solved. So I'd like to dive into some really practical tips for people today that can help them 
get to that solution of a real high impact, high performing team, a team full of impact drivers, as I would call them, right? (laughs) Yes. I find project work is quite stressful, but if we can create that climate in our project team that is supportive and that drives everybody forward, it is so much more fun and our outcomes are so much better. Exactly. You you said my love word, outcomes. We don't focus enough, I think, on outcomes and the real reason we're there to do the work that we're doing. It's not enough to just creating a bunch of different outputs, creating deliverables, a mass production of deliverables, if they're not aligned and focused on actually helping the organization achieve their key objectives, getting to those results, the outcomes that they're looking to achieve with that high ROI, right? Yeah. We definitely need this. And what I have found in my work and working with various project teams is there are some key things that we need to look out for. Mm-hmm. And especially at the beginning, we need to have clear role definitions because quite often project team members are assigned to this project and they have no clear idea on how much time this will actually take. Right. And quite often, the project organization hasn't really cleared the path with the line management team to make sure that this team member can actually spend adequate time on this project. And the first conflicts arise. Yes. Their line management responsibility and their project management responsibility. For sure, for sure. So that's all of what we're going to be diving into today. But before we do, I want to ask you, why are you, is this so important to you? Why are you so passionate about this topic in particular? Well, Laura, our challenges become more complex. We need the input from everybody. There are no more simple solutions. And we need to be creative and innovative to find the solution that catapult us forward. And the only way to get the creativity and the ingenuity from everybody on our team is when we create that positive team environment. And if we don't have that, yeah, we get a solution that worked yesterday, but that is not going to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I believe creativity and innovation are the currencies of the future, and we need to unleash them. Mm. And we can only do that is if everybody on the project team is heard. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can tell you uh, countless times where I've heard project team members say that they don't feel like they actually are a contributing member of the team. So you have people that have great ideas, have insights, have better ways to solve the problems, but they're not properly motivated and engaged to be a part of the solution, right? Yes, it's so true. And quite often is what happens is we have the subject matter experts on a team and they direct and then everybody else just becomes a spectator. And right. We need to move away from that. We need to engage everybody and everybody needs to contribute. Some has to do with introverts versus extroverts. Oh, yeah. Some of it has also to do with uh, where they are within the organization. And some of it just has to do is if I like the person sitting next to me or if you don't like them. Right. And it's funny you said that because I tell my students that likability is a really important part of their role because if people are not inclined to spend time around you, then you're going to have a hard time getting them to do things that you need them to do. And 
project managers and PMO leaders, we're often in a position where we are asking others to do things. And so in the business world and in the marketing world, we have the know, like, and trust factor, right? They have to know you. They have to know about what who you are and what you stand for. They have to like you, right? That's really important. And they have to trust you. But if they don't know you and they don't like you, they won't trust you, right? So this is a really important part of that whole process. So I'd love to dive into your pillars. You have some pillars of high-performing project teams. Can we talk about that and how all of these pieces are connected? Sure. So there are four pillars and then there's the icing on the top. Okay. So the one pillar we already talked about it is that clear role definition, mm -hmm. understand and structure around that project team. The other one is that purpose and meaning. Like, mm -hmm. how am I contributing to this project? What does that project do? And especially the younger generations, they yes. Focus and meaning on everything. They do. They really do. And that's a really important thing that we forget sometimes. And it's why if people feel disconnected from the why of the project, they're not motivated to give their best. And people exactly. seem to forget that, right? I read a statistic that said 95% of people, workers in an organization do not understand the organization's strategy. They don't understand why they are there. And it's super obvious to me that if they don't understand why, why the business is doing what it does, who it's serving, the problems they're helping them solve, and how they're connected to all of that, then they're not going to want to give it their best, do more, step up and be brave and challenge the status quo to be able to achieve greater things like you were talking about with innovation and creativity. Yes, that impact knowing on how I contribute to the overall success mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. So now we talked about impact, purpose, and meaning, role definition. The fourth pillar is dependability. Right. I can depend on you and right. you can depend on me. Right. And this is so important. Because dependability doesn't mean you complete every task exactly when you did it, but that you let the person know, hey, I cannot make this, and this is why, and this right. is somehow I will recover. Right. Knowing that the other person has your back. Right. Exactly. And that's that trust factor, right? It's interesting how all of this applies. You can take some marketing techniques and revamp them completely to apply for our project success, high-performing teams. Mm -hmm. They've got to be able to understand their purpose, understand why they're there, understand, you know, believe in you and believe in each other, I would think, right? And be able to count on each other. And you see a lot of teams doing these kind of, well, back in the old days when we used to get together in person, <laughs> you'd see these teams doing like these trust exercises and falling back on each other. Remember things like that, that we oh, used yeah, to I do remember them. very yeah. well. And it's funny because you would really start to see some of the team dynamics. Some people would just not trust that someone was going to have their back literally. And so of course that would affect how the team functions. Yes. That mistrust is mm -hmm. poisonous for a team. And that means everybody puts their guards up. Right. If you put your guards up, you will never be that risk taker that we need people to be. Sure, sure. So those are those four pillars. Mm -hmm. And then the icing on the cake is that psychological safety. Right. And that is when I do speak up and I say something that is not popular, right. I am okay. 
Mm. And that is the most difficult one to achieve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because quite often we are saying, well, I'm, I'm just going to go so far and then I'm not going to go any further because this might be damaging to my career. Right, for sure. So I'm curious if you can give an example. And for those of our listeners that are walking, driving, exercising, not in front of a computer or taking notes right now, can you go through what those four pillars are and then the icing on the cake again? And then I'd like to go through maybe an example of this. For sure. So the four pillars are dependability. Yep. I can depend on you. You can depend on me. Mm -hmm. Clear role descriptions and mm -hmm. structure that mm -hmm. I can fall back on, purpose and meaning. I know why I'm here. Simon Sinek always say, what is my why? It's a project why. And the impact. How am I, what is my contribution worth to this overall endeavor? How can I make a difference? Right. So, so those good. are the four pillars. And then when you have that in place, the icing on the cake is that psychological safety. Right. But knowing whatever I do will not be held against me and I can speak up and my career progression is not in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. For sure. Love it. Now, can you give an example of where this has worked well? I know we're going to talk about some things yeah. to look out for because that's just as important, yeah. right? But first, I'm wondering if you could give a couple of examples of where you've seen this work well and what the differences were on a team. So, first of all, that research actually came from Google and mm. it was Project Aristotle and they looked at all the high performance teams and they kind of said, so what makes them different? What is really that factor that sets them apart? Because Google depends on creativity and innovation. That's their business. And they need to catapult the organization forward. Mm -hmm. So they established those four pillars and that icing on the cake. So if you want to look that up, that's an area. The mm -hmm. other area where I've also done a lot of research is actually NASA. Mm -hmm. And when you think of NASA bringing these multicultural teams together, and they have done a lot of research around how do these teams need to work together? They have only experts, but these experts need to hear and understand one another. And they developed, uh, they did a lot of research around uh, how to compose the teams and how to create that environment. In terms of my own personal experience, that's yeah. what you need to create in a project team. And the way I try to create it is sometimes having these one-on-ones with those team members that carry a lot of knowledge and experience, but are not speaking up. Mm. And also coaching team members that are there all the time and ready to contribute, but sometimes contributing too much. Mm. So, so you, sometimes they're contributing too much? Well, you can, right? If somebody yeah. loves to talk and then yeah. sometimes what happens is they talk over others and quite often they don't even notice that they talk over others. Mm, that's so true. Because we are all, even when we listen, sometimes we just think about what do we need to respond instead of thinking, oh, what did this person actually say? Right. One technique I use when I do uh, brainstorming, I do silent brainstorming first. 
So I, everybody gets their little flip charts and they all do the brainstorming with themselves first. And I collect it from everybody and everybody gets their five most important points. And mm. then we share those five points. That way I make sure everybody has a chance to contribute. Oh, I like that. That's really cool because it's a good way to make sure that everyone gets a balanced opportunity where in, especially in the old days, when we would get together meetings in person, you would find that people are dominating the conversation and it's not quite equal, equal inputs. Now it's interesting as you're saying this, I'm visualizing back when we would have a lot of in-person meetings, but I'm wondering if one of the advantages of being online is that it's maybe more obvious if somebody's dominating conversation or talking over others. I wonder if you actually notice it more in like a Zoom meeting than you would in person, or if the opposite is true and people are becoming more and more reserved and not speaking it up at all because they're just feeling disconnected because they're in the Zoom meeting. I wonder what your experience has been. All of the above. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And it truly depends on the team. And it yeah. also depends on how many team members you have. The mm-hmm. idea of silent brainstorming works extremely well in a virtual environment mm-hmm. because everybody can put their list up or can share it and you hear from everybody. Yeah. What I find the most challenging environment is the hybrid environment. Okay. When you have some people being together and some people being on Zoom, because you cannot see body language and you develop those two class of team members. And then especially the cameras are not set up right. And you right. everybody sit in the room, then they're making a joke that is not right. heard by everybody who is on the Zoom call. Oh yeah, and those are the worst. I know, I know, is it ever. So I like either having meetings all together mm-hmm. or all virtual. That mm-hmm. hybrid environment, to be quite honest, I'm still working on it to make it work for everybody. It's funny because it's, it used to be a lot worse when we used to yeah. just have phones, right? And we were just conferencing into a meeting. And if you were the person that had to conference in and listen to all these people talking around each other around the room, and you just can't get a word in edgewise and people forget you're there. One technique I used to use for that is I would put sticky notes on the phone. (laughs) Like, here's the person that's here, right? Like, (laughs) here are the three people on the phones. Don't forget that they're here, right? Some people go as far as to putting their picture there because you do, you forget when you have that kind of a dynamic and then people are going to suffocate and withdraw and not even bother to spend time contributing. And then there's just no way you can get to a high-performing team in that environment, I would think. And this is where project leaders play such an important role on becoming facilitators. Yes, exactly. And we need to draw, we need to understand the expertise from everybody and we need to draw it out. We Mm -hmm. have to become that conductor and the team Mm -hmm. members is our symphony. And we need to know when certain team members have to shine and we have to coach them to be ready to shine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think the role as facilitator for PMO leaders, program, project, portfolio managers is critical and probably our most important one. For example, I'm always telling project managers, you are not 
the one that puts the project schedule together. You do not create the project plan. You facilitate that project plan being created via all of the team members with and through the team members. They have to provide all those inputs. If you provide them, it's your plan and it's meaningless. If they provide them, they own the plan and it's meaningful. So as a project manager, you're facilitating constantly. As a PMO leader, you're facilitating everything from or portfolio manager governance meetings to center of excellence, maybe meetings that you're doing with all the project managers. You're facilitating constantly, hopefully. And if you follow the advice that I share on the podcast in our PMO training and implementation program, you have your seat at the table and you're facilitating big strategic delivery discussions, right? So facilitation is an incredibly important part of our role to building not just a high-performing project team, but any high-performing team, I would think, right? Oh, right on. And what does facilitation mean? It means that you listen. Yes. You need to listen and you need to ask questions. Right. And I believe we moved into an answer society instead of a question society. Oh, so true. Because that's the thing is that when you are in, especially if you're our new PMO leaders or new project managers and they're new to the role, they often feel they have to prove themselves, which yeah. means they feel like they have to do a lot of selling and talking and convincing. And in fact, the opposite is true. For example, for my Impact Engine PMO training and implementation program, the whole first module is about setting their mindset as to what their role really is. The second module is all about asking questions and not providing answers, right? You need to assess the organization for impact opportunities. You do not want to go in and tell them the medicine they need to take. You do not want to go in and tell them you have all the answers because you don't. Whatever you think you know, you're wrong. Whatever you think they need, you're wrong. Because unless it comes from them and comes from their pain, and their suffering and you answering their pain with a solution, then it's not going to work, right? So it's all about asking the questions and hearing and looking for that pain and solving that problem. And that's so on point. And yet somehow we forget that and we feel this need to prove our worth and our value, but we're not even addressing the problems that they really have, right? Well, and I think this is, we are so used to being problem solvers. Yes. You give us something and we jump right away into this problem solving mode. Amen. It's in our DNA. That's what we do. <laughs> yes. And yeah, it can be our worst characteristic, our worst trait, if it's used for evil instead of good. <laughs> like yes. I like to say, you've got to know when and how you cannot solve the problems until you've listened, until you've heard, until you've facilitated getting to those right answers. So yes. these were some really good examples, but are there any other behaviors that you see happening that really hurt teams, keep them from being high performance? And I talk about it also in my presentation, and that is blame and anger. Yes. Those emotions are poisonous for any project team. Mm -hmm. And somebody asked me, are they not related? Well, they're not related. The first one is blame. It's really yeah. when I don't take responsibility for my actions. Uh -huh. When I don't take that ownership, something happens and it's somebody else's fault. Right. And that is demoralizing for the team. And even if it is, even if it was like that, the way we express it, we need to express it in a problem-solving way instead of a blaming will. We need to put that leadership hat on. Right. And right. solving the issue. When somebody talks over you in a meeting, you feel like you're not heard anymore. Mm -hmm. You give advice and it's not followed. You think, why are they doing this? And I am not heard. I might as well not be here. 
Right. What happens is all of our focus, and this is neuroscience, is starting to focus on that feeling of anger. And it actually blocks the neural pathways to solve the problem. Mm. So we are so stuck in feeling so hurt and angry that we can actually not rationally think about the challenge. Right, right, for sure. And so this is when the project leader becomes a coach, a mentor, mm-hmm. and sees that kind of behavior and addresses it right away. And I find this is where the virtual world quite often works against us because as soon as that meeting is over, we all do click and we disconnect and we might not see that facial impression. We might not see that hand wringing or those little tips and hints that tell us that something went wrong. That's so, so true. So what would you suggest? What are your top couple of tips that you would share as we wrap up today's session for things that people can go do right away to change the dynamic of the project teams or just the resource teams that they're working on and move towards this high performance kind of mindset? So what I like is, and it's kind of an easy way to start, is do a retrospective and just Mm. say, what made you sad, glad, mad? And Mm -hmm. who do you want to give kudos if you want to go there? Right. Just by having that check-in, you're not assuming that something is going well or is somebody's in trouble. You just put it out there. Right. What is actually working well? Right. And then from there on, you might want to think of developing with the team, your team charter. Mm. And then having an honest discussion and thinking about, you know, remember when we had this whole issue around team member not showing up and not doing their job and how it all kerfuffled and how big it got? How can we be more proactive? How can we make sure that we deal with these conflicts in a problem-solving kind of a way? And how can we create that environment that it's okay to fail as long as we learn something from it. Right. That safety net, the feeling that of being safe. Is so important. And, and this is when NASA came up with that term on saying, we don't punish failure. We punish the concealment of failure. Oh, I love that. And yeah. When we think of that is that is what we need to get to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Gabrielle, thank you so much for being here for this podcast episode. As we wrap up here, for all of those that were driving, walking, exercising while you were going through this, let's go through what those four pillars and the icing on the cake that we were just talking about as we wrap up this episode. For sure. Thank you so much, Laura. So the first one is dependability. You want to be able to depend on your team members. Yeah. Next one is that structure in clear role definition. This is the world of project management, having the processes in place that are clear and concise. Then we need meaning and purpose. We need to understand the bigger vision and what it means for us. And it has to be in dollars and it has to be in terms of moving the organization forward. Mm -hmm. And then impact. Yay! 
to understand our role in this project. We need to see on how we make a difference yes. on this project, on this initiative. Yes, so important. And once we have those four pillars, the icing on the cake is then to have that psychological safety yes. that we can speak up, that we feel we are an equal team member. Nobody is higher or lower. Everybody's opinion counts. Everybody's opinion matters. That's Thank so you. awesome. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. I really appreciate your time today. All right, Impact Drivers, you've heard it here. This is how to create a high-performance team of any kind in your organization, which is critical if you want to achieve that highest possible return on investment for the organization strategy. Thank you for being a part of this episode, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps that you have not considered, I promise, to building a high-impact PMO. So whether you're starting from scratch with a new PMO, or you've got a team and you're already trying to up-level your capabilities, or you've been called in to get things back on track, let us help you get and keep your seat at the table by unlocking the secrets of a high-impact PMO your stakeholders will be begging for. Join me at pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. I can't wait to see you there. Make sure you hit subscribe and download all of these podcasts so that they are with you on your mobile device, no matter where your high-impact journey takes you. Bye-bye for now.